Hello and welcome to the Lazy Book Club podcast, the book club for those who don't want to read or leave the house. My name is Matt Salvez. <laughs> what was that one? Someone is really keen to get this I over and done with. Doing like an interrupting... <laughs> no. I thought that was a bit. I, I promise. <laughs> I like a bit. Well, you've started talking now, David. You may as well finish. Um, well, I was gonna, I was gonna pretend I was gonna answer the phone, but I've lost it in the moment. But yes, I'm David Cox for the record. Ah, <laughs> oh, good, very um, good. I'm, and I'm Josh Matheson. Uh, after that failed bit, <laughs> <laughs> it, to be fair, I've had a hundred percent success. You have actually. It's been a and long that time. Is unchallenged. By you got uh, like, yeah. Um, I don't know if that's the case because there was a few weeks ago where you just forgot to come in because you forgot it was you second. Uh, that's I true. feel like I, that counts as a fail. So that what we did on like Friday night or something. <laughs> something. I think you were Ooh. hammered. Yeah. <laughs> so this week we are looking at chapter five, part two of the mysterious affair at Styles. That's right, because we tr- we tried, and all we managed to the last time was the the long title of the book, and then we're like, oh, it's been a bit too long. We should yeah. probably. <laughs> I know we kind of I was editing it and looking at the time rack up and I thought, do you know what? It's just going to be too long to do in one episode. People are going to be like, oh, never finishing it. So sometimes it's nice to do it in bite sized chunks. It makes you kind of like sit down and concentrate. So we left Poirot still investigating. He had actually just interviewed the groundskeepers who had confirmed that Emily had asked them to sign a piece of paper, which they believe was a brand new will and testament that she had just written out. But they don't really know because they didn't even bother to read it. They didn't read it. So they could have just signed their own death warrants. Who knows? But we're assuming that they signed the will. And we've also seen that Evie has returned Basically, Hastings feeling a little bit guilty because he was told by Evie to look out for Emily and now she's dead and she was only gone one day. So that's kind of a failure on his part, really, isn't it? (laughs) I mean, pretty much. It's like someone saying, look after my dog and it's been run over or something. (laughs) I feel like like there was a bit of a time lapse. Like he'd been there a couple of weeks, hadn't he? Oh, he had actually. You are correct. Yeah, But yeah, certainly not long after. I mean, it's still a failing, nonetheless. It's just a slightly delayed one. There was also something about Cynthia taking sugar in her coffee. Yes. Yeah, he said, yeah, oh, no, you're right. Of course it's important. And we're going, and Matt Matt worked it out, but I was still going like, or Matt thinks <laughs> And I was going well, like, it means, wait, if she does that, then she doesn't, then that that person doesn't. No, I was like, oh, no, I can't. I'm sorry. My assumption that. is, is that whatever cup he thought was Cynthia's that he tried before had sugar in and she's just yeah. told him that she doesn't take sugar so either something has been added to her coffee afterwards or it wasn't her cup and they've been mixed up who knows she previously said where she was at that time and does like her coffee cup put her in a different place or something no I because her Hastings that. and Miss Cavendish were all sitting on the sofa talking when they yeah, had coffee they yeah. So all of their cups should be together kind of around mm-hmm. the sofa area. Well, I don't understand because it seems to me like, oh, if she's like, oh, I better not have any sugar because hypothetically it's poison, then it, it can't be right. It can't be that she's not taking sugar because there's something wrong with the sugar because everybody else was helping themselves to the sugar. Yeah, I don't think it's the case of the right. night before. I, I think it's more the case that someone may have tampered with the, the cups in between the death happening and Poirot investigating the cups because you remember there's a whole day where they were just sitting on the side right yeah so I my assumption is either that or maybe there was because obviously something can taste sweet without it necessarily being sugar true maybe there's something else that's been put in I know that like cyanide I think it is smells like almonds yeah. So you smell it and you think that it was marzipan or... Sure. So beware vegans when you have almond milk. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> That's the only reason I drink dairy. <laughs> it's safer. Can you imagine? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm scared I'll get poisoned. Right? Okay. Yeah. So who knows? Maybe the sweetness might be an indicator of something else. But I mean, we'll, we'll... I think more than anything, Poirot's intrigue has to do with the fact that something doesn't add up rather than because he's necessarily figured it out. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I feel like he's gone, oh, hang on, your coffee cup 
told me you take sugar so that doesn't something's not right here so but maybe cynthia's just gone on a diet and she's lying to herself that she never takes mm. it you never know so i, I have an like artificial sweetener instead yes <laughs> maybe that's what she is taking yeah so who knows but let's let's dive in because we just finished with hastings leaving the room i think now john just left the room cavendish john cavendish has left the room okay john cavendish has left the room talking to the, that lawyer uh yes yeah talking to that lawyer fella loved his voice <laughs> and looking forward to him talking more okay well, i'm hoping he doesn't <laughs> but there we are <laughs> well let's find out shall we here we go chapter five part two dorcas brought in fresh tea as she left the room poirot came over from the window where he had been standing and sat down facing miss howard mademoiselle he said gravely. I want to ask you something. Ask away, <laughs> said the lady, eyeing him with some disfavour. I want to be able to count upon your help. I'll help you to hang Alfred with pleasure, she replied gruffly. Hanging's too good for him. Ought to be drawn and quartered like in good old times. We are at one, then, said Poirot, for I, too, want to hang the criminal. Hmm. Alfred Inglethorpe? Him or another? Hmm? No question of another. Poor Emily was never murdered until he came along. I don't say she wasn't surrounded by sharks. She was, but it was only her purse they were after. Her life was safe enough. But along comes Alfred Inglethorpe, and within two months, eh, presto! Believe me, Miss Howard, said Poirot very earnestly. On my honour, I will hang him as I as Eamon. Hmm? I feel like Alfred's got on a bit of a bum rap here, where she's like, you know, Alfred turns up and then two months later she's dead. It's like, yeah, but that doesn't mean that he killed him. Because, as we know, the will means that everything that was going to the kids is now going to Alfred. So, who's to say the kids haven't killed him? Yeah, because he's, he's, he's been the catalyst for the... Upset. Exactly, but it's yeah. kind of unfair to make it out like he, therefore, is the suspect or is the perpetrator just because he happened to be the, the catalyst for her death. Maybe Evie's just like, well, if it wasn't for him, then no one else would have wanted to kill her either. Yeah. And she just obviously hates him so much. She just wants to see him dead no matter what. I wonder how often the earliest suspect or the most prominent suspect at the start of a whodunit goes on to actually be the main one. Can't yeah, be a many. True. Unless, unless, but of course, as we know, this is also the first one. So maybe it's just like, yes, we think it's Alfred Inglethorpe. And it just ca continues to be proved. And so and you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> no twist, no The turn. most boring book ever. Yeah. <laughs> ah, yes, there's lots of evidence and I have everything I need. <laughs> and everyone is cooperating. <laughs> she didn't invent the genre, though. She's already referenced it's Sherlock true. Holmes once. So yeah. I think she's adopted the the mystery of the of the genre as it's never who you first suspect yeah. blah blah and i think she made us all first suspect him by giving him a beard and a wooden hand the audacity <laughs> <laughs> that's better said miss howard more enthusiastically but i must ask you to trust me hmm? now your help may be very valuable to me hmm. i will tell you why hmm? because in all this house of mourning Yours are the only eyes that have wept, hmm? Miss Howard blinked, and a new note crept into the gruffness of her voice. If you mean that I was fond of her, yes, I was. You know, Emily was a selfish old woman in her way. She was very generous, but she always wanted a return. She never let people forget what she had done for them, and that way she missed love. I don't think she ever realised it, though, or felt the lack of it. Hope not, anyway. I was on a different footing. I took my stand from the first. So many pounds a year I'm worth to you, well and good, 
but not a penny piece besides. Not a pair of gloves, nor a theatre ticket. She didn't understand. Was very offended sometimes. Said I was foolishly proud. It wasn't that. But I couldn't explain. Anyway, I kept my self-respect. And so out of the whole bunch, I was the one who could allow myself to be fond of her. I watched her over. I guarded her from the lot of them. And then the glib-tongued scoundrel comes along and poo! All my years of devotion go for nothing. (laughs) So is she basically saying that the only reason why I'm fond of her is because I never took any of her gifts from her? Because anybody who took gifts from her then ended up not liking her because she would use those gifts as leverage to get what she wanted out of people. Yeah, there was always a, a return expectation. Yeah. She she never indulged in it. Or never. Mm. So she's basically saying, because I never took the theatre tickets, because I never took that extra bit of money here and there, I was able to bear her because she had no leverage over me. She had nothing that she could use to bribe me or guilt me into doing things I didn't want to do. It makes her sound like not so much of a nice person, does it? I mean, we had this conversation last time with her about changing the wheel all the time. And so clearly she was that person where she's like, that's fine. I'm just going to write you out my wheel then if you won't take me to bowls on Tuesday. A lot of low-level blackmail. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Poirot nodded sympathetically. I understand, mademoiselle. I understand all you feel. Hmm? It is most natural. Hmm. You think that we are lukewarm that we lack fire and energy. But trust me, it is not so. Hmm? John stuck his head in at this juncture and invited us both to come up to Mrs. Inglethorpe's room as he and Mr. Wells had finished looking through the desk in the boudoir. As we went up the stairs, John looked back to the dining room door and lowered his voice confidentially. Look here, what's going to happen when these two meet? I shook my head helplessly. I've told Mary to keep them apart if she can. Will she be able to do so? The Lord only knows. There's one thing, Inglethorpe himself won't be too keen on meeting her. You've got the keys still, haven't you, Poirot? I asked as we reached the door of the locked room. Taking the keys from Poirot, John unlocked it and we all passed in. The lawyer went straight to his desk and John followed him. My mother kept most of her important papers in this dispatch case, I believe, he said. Poirot drew out the small bunch of keys. Permit me, hmm? I locked it out of precaution this morning. Hmm. But it's not locked now. Impossible. Huh? See? And John lifted the lid as he spoke. Me tonnerre, cried Poirot dumbfounded. And I, who have both keys in my pocket, huh? He flung himself upon the case. Suddenly he stiffened. Et voilà une affaire. This lock has been forced, hmm? What? Poirot laid down the case again. But who forced it? And why should they? When? But the, the door was locked. These exclamations burst from us disjointedly. Poirot answered them categorically, almost mechanically. Who? Hmm? That is the question. Why? Ah, if I only knew. <laughs> when? Hmm. Since I was here an hour ago. Hmm? As to the door being locked, it is a very ordinary lock. Hmm? Probably any other of the door keys in this passage would fit it. Hmm? We stared at one another blankly. Poirot had walked over to the mantelpiece. He was outwardly calm, but I noticed his hands, which, from long force of habit, were mechanically straightening the spill vases on the mantelpiece and shaking violently. See here, it was like this, hmm? he said at last. There was something in that case, some piece of evidence, slight in itself perhaps but still enough of a clue to connect the murderer with the crime. Hmm? 
It was vital to him that it should be destroyed before it was discovered and its significance appreciated. Hmm? Therefore, he took the risk, the great risk of coming in here. Hmm? Finding the case locked, he was obliged to force it, thus betraying his presence. Hmm? For him to take that risk, it must have been something of great importance. Hmm? But what was it? Ah! cried Poirot with a gesture of anger. That I do not know! Hmm? A document right. of some kind. <laughs> I know, but it's like a gesture of anger. I'm imagining like, ah! Like, yeah, <laughs> most of the time you don't tell me anything anyway. So I just assumed that you already know You already know what it was. Because before you've been like, ah, only good time. Yeah. And now you say, I don't know. You're like, well, I need to know where I stand with you. Otherwise, I'm mm. just going to be on eggshells. Are you all Let knowing know how or I not? Can help. Yeah. What's a gesture of anger? Like, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I expect something like that added for our Patreon people when you read it again, yeah. Josh. Here we go. Okay, I'll I know. I, th I think he has a shirt on. He just tore the rips it. Hulk Hogan does it. Every, it. <laughs> it's all right. He does it every time. Her cool. Yeah. <laughs> I, do, I just do it like agony. <laughs> cried Poirot with a gesture of anger that I do not know it's now topless <laughs> a document of some kind without doubt possibly the scrap of paper Dorcas saw in her hand yesterday afternoon and I his anger burst forth freely <laughs> I don't know what to do there I don't know how, how angry I need to be here He's getting quite cross. Okay. I think he's. I think more than anything, he's probably very frustrated at himself yeah, that he he's missed answers. something so significant that mm. you know, because he's almost like if someone's going to risk taking this back, it must have been so obvious who it pointed towards. Yeah, that he's like, how did I miss that? So I think it's more like frustration and anger at himself yeah. for having messed up, rather so than easy, like. Yeah. You know, swinging chairs and kind of like you know slapping people. Yeah, and it's annoying because he specifically said, "Oh, I won't look through the paperwork because I don't feel like that's my place." And that's probably the one yeah, area that he should have looked. His politeness has almost scuppered him here, isn't it? Yeah, I didn't think that was weird. I was like, surely, like polite, don't come into it. Like someone's dead. It's a police investigation. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. Like it's like, oh, sorry. I, I no, I won't go in search in there. Sorry to disturb you. Right. He's no, obviously I mean. underestimated how the risk taking of this murderer as well, because yeah. he was obviously assumed that, okay, the briefcase is locked and it's in a locked room and I only have the keys. So no one can subtly take this. No one can take this without me knowing they've taken something, which is the case. But he obviously wasn't expecting to be someone to be that desperate that they're willing to, to do it, even though they know people will know that they did it. Oh, it's getting interesting now, isn't it? Because, like, you know, mm. they're starting to make mistakes. It's good. <laughs> and I, ah, his anger burst forth freely. Miserable animal that I am. Ah, I guessed nothing. Ah, I have behaved like an imbecile. Mm. I should never have left the case here. Hmm? I should have carried it away with me. Ah, triple pig. Ah. And now it is gone, huh? It is destroyed. But is it destroyed? Hmm? Is there not yet a chance? We must leave no stone unturned. He rushed like a madman from the room, and I followed him as soon as I had sufficiently recovered my wits. But by the time I had reached the top of the stairs, he was out of sight. Mary Cavendish was standing where the staircase branched, staring down into the hall in the direction in which he had disappeared. What has happened to your extraordinary <laughs> little friend, Mr. Hastings? <laughs> that sounds He's suggestive. <laughs> I think everything she says is going to be. Which We've makes ruined it more... everything happens? that comes out of her mouth. To little yeah. Hastings. 
Like she could be saying some really profoundly serious stuff later. (laughs) It's so true. She probably will. She's like under arrest. She's like, oh, don't take. But this would be a great opportunity for Hastings if he was feeling a little bit brave to be like, (laughs) why? Thank you for calling him extraordinary. Yeah. (laughs) 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 What has happened to your extraordinary little friend, Mr. Hastings? (laughs) He's just rushed past me like a mad bull. He's rather upset about something. I remarked feebly. I really did not know how much Poirot would wish me to disclose. As I saw a faint smile gather on Mrs. Cavendish's expressive mouth, I endeavoured to try and turn the conversation by saying, They haven't met yet, have they? Who? Mr. Inglethorpe and Miss Howard. She looked at me in rather a disconcerting manner. Do you think it would be such a disaster if they did meet? Well, don't you? I said, rather taken aback. No. She was smiling in her quiet way. (laughs) I should like to see a good flare-up. It would clear (laughs) the air. At present, we're all thinking so much and saying so little. John, Oh, she likes the passion. She likes it when things get a bit fiery and spicy. Clear the air. (laughs) Yeah. Explains her dramatics earlier when she's rolling around the walls. She's obviously <laughs> someone who has he likes everything kind of being a bit over the top. Absolutely. Oh dear. John doesn't think so, I remarked. He's anxious to keep them apart. Oh John <laughs> Something in her tone fired me, and I blurted out Oh John's an awfully good sort. She studied me curiously for a minute or two and then said, to my great surprise, You are loyal to your friend. I like you for that. Aren't you my friend, too? I am a very bad friend. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sorry. (laughs) I must be punished. Yeah. That proper had dirty little pudding in the middle of the night. <laughs> if people listen to the wrong part of this podcast, they're going to get the complete wrong end of the stick. They really are. Oh, they yeah. Really are. Yeah, I think this is the first time we've actually had like a sexy character. And it's been really right. funny watching Josh play None that. in Pinocchio. <laughs> no. None in Peter Pan. None of the ghosts. No. No. And none of the pigs. No. Yeah, it would have been it would have been a bit weird if there was one in Peter Pan, wouldn't it? Yeah. Some animals are more equal than others. <laughs> Why do you say that? Because it is true. I am charming to my friends one day and forget all about them the next. <laughs> I I don't know what impelled me, but I was nettled. And I said foolishly, and not in the best of taste. Yet you seem to be invariably charming to Dr. Bowerstein. <gasps> jab, 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 jab. <laughs> that was one of those things that he would have instantly regretted and gone, oh no, why did I... Yeah, or oh, also it just makes him sound a bit petty and jealous as well. Because that's what it is. He's, it's not actually the case that she's nice to Mr. Bowerstein, it's the case that she's not as nice to like, him. Just, that's what she's annoyed about. Doesn't know her that well. Yeah, I know, but he likes her. Instantly, I regretted my words. Her face stiffened. I had the impression of a steel curtain coming down and blotting out the real woman. Without a word, she turned and went swiftly up the stairs, whilst I stood like an idiot, gaping after her. I was recalled to other matters by a frightful row going on below. I could hear Poirot shouting and expounding. I was vexed to think that my diplomacy had been in vain. The little man appeared to be taking the whole house into his confidence, a proceeding of which I, for one, doubted the wisdom. Once again, I could not help regretting that my friend was so prone to lose his head in moments of excitement. I stepped briskly down the stairs. The sight of me calmed Poirot almost immediately. I drew him aside. My dear fellow... I said, is this wise? Surely you don't want the whole house to know of this occurrence. You are actually playing into the criminal's hands. You think so, Hastings, hmm? I'm sure of it. Well, well, my friend, I will be guided by you, hmm? 
good. Although, unfortunately, it is a little late now. Sure. Hmm? He looked so crestfallen and abashed that I felt quite sorry, though I still thought my rebuke a just and wise one. Well, he said at last, let us go, mon ami. Hmm? You have finished here? For the moment, yes. Hmm? You will walk back with me to the village? Hmm? Willingly. I'm going to throw a little thing in here. Go on. I wonder if he is intentionally creating a scene oh. so that the murderer thinks he's gotten away with mm. what he's gotten away with. This is very yeah. out of character for Poirot. Someone who's very mild-mannered and polite, running around the house screaming at the top of his lungs how annoyed he is himself. He does every time because then it allows them to make mistakes. Yeah. But once again... Never met Poirot before. He's the first time he's ever been introduced into the canon. Mm, so like, the true. readers at the time wouldn't have known there was out of character. So it would be perhaps even cleverer. He picked up his little suitcase and we went out through the open window into the drawing room. Cynthia Murdoch was just coming in and Poirot stood aside to let her pass. Excuse me, mademoiselle, one minute. Hmm? Yes, she turned inquiringly. Did you ever make up... Mrs. Inglethorpe's medicines, hmm? A slight flush rose in her face as she answered rather constrainedly, No, only her powders, hmm? The flush deepened as Cynthia replied, Oh, yes, uh, I, I did make up some sleeping powders for her once. These, hmm? Poirot produced the empty box which had contained powders. She nodded. Can you tell me what they were? Sulfonal? Hm? Veranal? Huh? Uh, no, they were bromide powders. Ah, thank you, mademoiselle. Good morning. Hmm? As we walked briskly away from the house, I glanced at him more than once. I had often before noticed that if anything excited him, his eyes turned green like a cat's. They were shining like emeralds now. My friend, he broke out at last, I have had a little idea, a very strange and probably utterly impossible idea. Hmm? And yet, it fits in. Hmm. I shrugged my shoulders. I privately thought that Poirot was rather too much given to these fantastic ideas. In this case, surely, the truth was only too plain and apparent. So that is the explanation of the blank label on the box, I remarked. Very simple, as you said. I really wonder that I did not think of it myself. Poirot did not appear to be listening to me. They have made one more discovery. Là-bas, huh? he observed, jerking his thumb over his shoulder in the direction of Styles. Mr. Wells told me as we were going upstairs. Hmm? What was it? Locked up in the desk in the boudoir, they found a will of Mrs. Inglethorpe's dated before her marriage, leaving her fortune to Alfred Inglethorpe. Hmm? It must have been made just at the time they were engaged. Hmm? It came quite as a surprise to Wells and to John Cavendish also. Hmm? It was written on one of those printed will forms and witnessed by two of the servants. Not Dorcas. Hmm? Did Mr. Inglethorpe know of it? He says not. Hmm? One might take that with a grain of salt, I remarked sceptically. All these wills are very confusing. Tell me, how did those scribbled words on the envelope help you to discover that a will was made yesterday afternoon? Poirot smiled. Mon ami, have you ever, when writing a letter been arrested by the fact that you did not know how to spell a certain word. Hmm? Yes, often. I suppose everyone has. Exactly. Hmm? And have you not, in such a case, tried the word once or twice on the edge of the blotting paper, or a spare scrap of paper, to see if it looked right? Hmm? Well, that is what Mrs. Inglethorpe did. Hmm? You will notice that the word possessed is first spelled with one S and subsequently with two, correctly. Hmm? 
to make sure she had further tried it in a sentence. Thus, I am possessed. Hmm? Now, what did that tell me? Hmm? It told me that Mrs. Inglethorpe had been writing the word possessed that afternoon. And having the fragment of paper found in the grate fresh in my mind, the possibility of a will, a document almost certain to contain that word, occurred to me at once. Hmm? This possibility was confirmed by a further circumstance. Hmm? In the general confusion, the boudoir had not been swept that morning, and near the desk were several traces of brown mold and earth. Hmm? The weather had been perfectly fine for some days, and no ordinary boots would have left such an heavy deposit. I strolled to the window and saw at once that the begonia beds had been newly planted. Hmm? The mold in the beds was exactly similar to on the floor of the boudoir. And also, I learned from you that they had been planted yesterday afternoon. Hmm? I was now sure that one or possibly both of the gardeners, for there were two sets of footprints in the bed, had entered the boudoir. For if Mrs. Inglethorpe had merely wished to speak to them, she would, in all probability, have stood in the window, and they would not have come into the room at all. Hmm? I was now quite convinced that she had made a fresh will and had called the two gardeners in to witness her signature. Huh? Events proved that I was right in my supposition. Hmm? That was very ingenious. I could not help admitting. I must confess that the conclusions I drew from those few scribbled words were quite erroneous. He smiled. You gave too much rein to your imagination. Hmm? Imagination is a good servant and a bad master. Hmm? The simplest explanation is always the most likely. Hmm? Another point. How did you know that the key of the dispatch case had been lost? I did not know it. Hmm? It was a guess that turned out to be correct. Huh. You observed that it had a piece of twisted wire through the handle. Hmm? That suggested to me at once that it had possibly been wrenched off a flimsy keyring. Hmm. Now, if it had been lost and recovered, Mrs. Inglethorpe would at once have replaced it on her bunch. But on her bunch... I found what was obviously a duplicate key, very new and bright, which led me to the hypothesis that somebody else had inserted the original key into the lock of the dispatch case. Huh. Yes, I said. Alfred Inglethorpe, without doubt. Poirot looked at me curiously. Are you very sure of his guilt? Hmm? Well, naturally. Every fresh circumstance seems to establish it more clearly. On the contrary, said Poirot quietly, there are several points in his favour. Hmm? Oh, come now. Yes, I only see one. And that? Hmm? That he was not in the house last night. Bad shot, as you English say. Huh? You have chosen the one point that, to my mind, tells against him. Hmm? How is that? Because if Mr. Inglethorpe knew that his wife would be poisoned last night, he would certainly have arranged to be away from the house. Hmm? His excuse was an obviously trumped-up one. Huh? That leaves us two possibilities. Either he knew what was going to happen, or he had a reason of his own for his absence. Hmm? And that reason? I asked, skeptically. Poirot shrugged his shoulders. How should I know? Hmm? <laughs> Discreditable, without doubt. Huh? This Mr. Inglethorpe, I should say, is somewhat of a scoundrel. But that does not of necessity make him a murderer. Hmm? I shook my head, unconvinced. We do not agree, huh? said Poirot. Well, let us leave it. Time will show which of us is right. Hmm? Now let us turn to other aspects of the case. Hmm? What do you make of the fact that all of the doors of the bedroom were bolted on the inside? 
well, I considered, one must look at it logically. True. Hmm? I should put it this way. The doors were bolted. Our own eyes have told us that. Yet the presence of the candle grease on the floor and the destruction of the will prove that during the night someone entered the room. You agree so far? Perfectly. Hmm? Put with admirable clearness. Proceed. Hmm? Well, I was encouraged. As the person who entered did not do so by the window, nor by miraculous means, it follows that the door must have been opened from the inside by Mrs. Inglethorpe herself. That strengthens the conviction that the person in question was her husband. She would naturally open the door to her own husband. Poirot shook his head. Why would she? Hmm? She had bolted the door leading into his room. A most unusual proceeding on her part. She had had a most violent quarrel with him that very afternoon. Hmm? No, he was the last person she would admit. You agree with me that the door must have been opened by Mrs. Inglethorpe herself. There is another possibility. Hmm? She may have forgotten to bolt the door into the passage when she went to bed and have got up later towards morning and bolted it then. Hmm? Poro, is that seriously your opinion? No, I do not say it is so, but it might be. Hmm? Now, to turn to another feature... What do you make of the scrap of conversation you overheard between Mrs. Cavendish and her mother-in-law? Hmm? I'd forgotten that, I said thoughtfully. This is as enigmatical as ever. It seems incredible that a woman like Mrs. Cavendish, proud and reticent to the last degree, should interfere so violently in what was certainly not her affair. Precisely. Hmm? It was an astonishing thing for a woman of her breeding to do. It is certainly curious, I agreed. Still, it is unimportant and need not be taken into account. A groan burst from Poirot. <laughs> what have I always told you? Hmm? Everything must be taken into account. Huh? If the fact will not fit the theory, let the theory go. Hmm? Well, we shall see, I said, nettled. Yes. We shall see. Hmm? We had reached Leastway's cottage, and Poirot ushered me upstairs to his own room. He offered me one of the tiny Russian cigarettes he himself occasionally smoked. I was amused to notice that he stowed away the used matches most carefully in a little china pot. My momentary annoyance vanished. Poirot had placed on our two chairs in front of the open window which commanded a view of the village street. The fresh air blew in warm and pleasant. It was going to be a hot day. Suddenly, my attention was arrested by a weedy-looking young man rushing down the street at a great pace. It was the expression on his face that was extraordinary, a curious mingling of terror and agitation. Look. Poirot, I said. He leant forward. Tiens, he said. It is Mr. Mace from the chemist's shop. He is coming here. Hmm? The young man came to a halt before Leastway's cottage, and after hesitating a moment, pounded vigorously at the door. A little minute, cried Poirot from the window. I come. Motioning to me to follow him, he ran swiftly down the stairs and opened the door. Mr. Mace began at once. If he if he runs a shop, if we should go something like a greengrocer's voice, you know, like the old school kind of like... Why is a greengrocer's voice when it's uh, at Three banana pans, pan, pan. three banana pans! We've got to stick with <laughs> it from... Oh, yeah. Yeah, just speak, speak like... speak every t Everything he says is like he's barring at the market. Yeah. Hello. What how I, are you today? Da, 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 da. <laughs> yeah. What What yeah. I could do to, to differentiate, if we if we're running the risk of sounding a bit like John Cavendish, um, oh, no. I grew I grew up in um in East Anglia, uh, and regularly we would go to Felixstowe Market, so I could Lovely. do it with a slightly sort of East oh, Anglian. Oh yeah, do that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
my okay. my thing was more just because he runs a shop, just having a, a shopkeeper kind of like upsell, upsell, upsell kind of energy about him. Oh, Mr. Poirot, I'm sorry for the inconvenience, but I heard that you just come back from the hall. Uh, yes, we have. Hmm? The young man moistened his dry lips. Ew. His face was <laughs> <laughs> I just imagine he did it really slowly, like. <laughs> that was like really unnecessary gross description like, yeah, he, like unless someone's trying to seduce someone i don't see why i need to know why someone was moistening that mean their going lips like, like oh. gurning a little bit. yeah or he's just kind of like oh. i'm ever so glad that that wasn't oh. an instruction that was given to mary otherwise we could have been in real trouble yeah yeah she starts pouring honey over herself. <laughs> I see what that's she gets the eggs. baby oil out. <laughs> yeah. His face was working curiously. That's all over the village about old Mrs. Inglethorpe dying so suddenly. They do say, he lowered his voice cautiously, that it's poison. Poirot's face remained quite impassive. Only the doctors may tell us that, Mr. Mace. Hmm? Yes, exactly. Of course. The young man hesitated, and then his agitation was too much for him. He clutched Poirot by the arm and sank his voice to a whisper. Just tell me this, Mr. Poirot. That ain't, that ain't strychnine, is it? I hardly heard what Poirot replied. Something evidently of a non-committal nature. The young man departed, and as he closed the door, Poirot's eyes met mine. Yes. He said, nodding gravely. He will have evidence to give in the inquest. Hmm? We went slowly upstairs again. I was opening my lips when Poirot stopped me with the gesture of his hand. Not now, not now, mon ami. Hmm? I have need of reflection. Hmm? My mind is in some disorder, which it is not well. For about ten minutes he sat in dead silence, perfectly still except for several expressive motions in his eyebrows. And all the time, his eyes grew steadily greener. At last, he heaved a deep sigh. <sighs> it is well. Huh? The bad moment has passed. Huh. Now, all is arranged and classified. Huh? One must never permit confusion. Hmm. The case is not clear yet. No. Hmm? For it is of the most complicated. Huh? It puzzles me. Me, Hercule Poirot. There are two facts of significance. Hmm? And what are they? The first is the state of the weather yesterday. Hmm? That is very important. Hmm? But it was a glorious day, I interrupted. Poirot, you're pulling my leg. Not at all. The thermometer registered 80 degrees in the shade. Hmm? Do not forget that, my friend. Hmm? It is the key to the old riddle. Huh? And the second point, I asked. The important fact that Monsieur Inglethorpe wears very peculiar clothes. He has a black beard and uses glasses. Hmm? Please tell me that they just don't think he's some kind of person in disguise. It's a Scooby-Doo. That's what I mean. Like it's, Count Olaf. It's going to be like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I love those this books. Um, it, but it was always obvious, like, from the get-go. And you're like, yeah. <laughs> Can I say, though, I, I, I did say a few episodes ago that I had a theory because of because the first thing that um, Mrs. Inglethorpe said, on, like, yeah. when the doctor came in the room was, Alfred, that Alfred and Bowerstein are the same person. Maybe that could still have some truth in it. They that haven't. Would be so amazing. Have they been at the same place? I think the only time we saw them at the same place was the tea on the garden after the tea. Mrs. Cavendish met Bowerstein in the garden, so they weren't like they were back to back, but they weren't exactly at the same time. Maybe there's a double involved. Mm. But I do love the idea of just like Alfred wearing those glasses with the fake moustache and the big nose. <laughs> Just kind of yeah. like, it's like he wears glasses and he has a beard, but they're all attached to the glasses. And like, great. <laughs> and she's been with him for like months. And he's like, yeah, kept up he's the just wearing them the entire time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Poirot, I cannot believe you're serious. I am absolutely serious, my friend. 
Hmm? But this is childish. No, it is very momentous. Hmm? And supposing the coroner's jury returns a verdict of willful murder against Alfred Inglethorpe, what becomes of your theories then? They would not be shaken because twelve stupid men had happened to make a mistake. Hmm? But that will not occur. Hmm. For one thing, a county jury is not anxious to take responsibility upon itself. And so Mr. Inglethorpe stands practically in the position of local squire. Hmm? Also, he added placidly, I should not allow it. Hmm? You would not allow it? No. I looked at the extraordinary little man, divided between annoyance and amusement. He was so tremendously sure of himself. As though he read my thoughts, he nodded gently. Oh yes, mon ami, I would do what I say. Hmm? He got up and laid his hand on my shoulder. His physiognomy underwent a complete change. Tears came into his eyes. In all this, you see, I think of that poor Mrs. Inglethorpe, who is dead. Hmm? She was not extravagantly loved, no. But she was very good to us Belgians. I owe her a debt. I endeavoured to interrupt, but Poirot swept on. Let me tell you this, Hastings. Hmm? She would never forgive me if I let Alfred Inglethorpe, her husband, be arrested now, when a word from me could save him. Hmm? End of chapter. Oh, so do you think Poirot's worked it out or do you think he's just eliminated Alfred as a suspect? I don't know if he's got all the answers yet. Well, he kind of I feels think like he's he does. just eliminated Alfred. I think he's he had kind his, of he worked had his out. little Zen sort of meditation time and now mm. I feel like he's got it all, all his thoughts organised in his mind. Yeah, does. he seemed to be like decluttering, didn't he? He was doing a bit yeah. of a Sherlock like... He was. Yeah, Benedict Cumberbatch, kind of like yeah, Mind yeah, 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 exactly. That's exactly how it would be filmed now if they did it in like yeah, modern yeah. times. They'd have some yeah. kind of Star Trek whiteboard in front of him that he's like writing <laughs> with his finger. So we got two new significant facts: the fact it was a hot day, and the mm-hmm. fact that Alfred wears weird clothes, a beard, and glasses. wears glasses. Yeah, is the heat going to be to do with something? How like is it? I mean, this is a really. Like a chemical reaction or something? Do so they have to be kept? Do they have to be like refrigerated or something? Maybe. And it's like, oh, if it was kept out, it would be spoiled. I don't know. Yeah. Or maybe um, the heat was needed to there is gonna be dissolve something, it, and that's it. what caused. Um, I yeah. I tell you where I was lost. I could kind of understand it, but there was a lot of information when he was just talking about the keys. So he was saying the key that he found in the briefcase was the old one with the wire. Yeah, and then the other one that she had was the brand new one. So he deducted that it must have been lost because if she was using it every day, it would have been dirty. So it was like, okay, this is a new key that's been given to her. And that piece of wire was obviously brittle enough that it looked like it'd been yanked off a chain. And she was like, if if she still had that one, you'd look at that piece of wire and go, I need to replace that because it's going to fall off at any minute. So he was yeah. like, I deduced that someone's right. nicked it, yeah. not giving it back to her. So she's had to get a new key. And then now two keys are in circulation. So he was just yeah. saying that he deduced that he thought that he had the original key and that she was using a spare by the fact that the wire on it was kind of mangled looking. Gotcha. The chemist guy going, oh, it's not strychnine, is it? Because I wonder how many people would have been privy to that information. And he's a chemist, and I wonder if something's been stolen from the shop or something, because he said something we under had his breath. Because stolen from the chemist yesterday. Yeah. It could be that sort of a thing, couldn't it? Yeah, because he was like, oh, he'll be a witness, or he'll give testimony or something. Do you know what I mean? When he whispered in his ear and then left, he kind of turned around to Hastings and was like, well, we're going to be calling him. I was glad that Poirot cleared up how he had actually linked the gardeners with the wheel, because he'd kind of left it very vague earlier to make himself seem even smarter. But obviously when he yeah. mentioned the footprints in the room, or is it you like, oh, okay, I'm following the logic now. Uh-huh. Because obviously as the reader, those footprints had not been mentioned before up till that no, point. Is this, is this just going to be a pattern? He's going to do that and we're going to have to wait, not to the end of the book, but just a little while longer whilst we garner more bits of information. Yeah, yeah. basically we're intentionally left in the dark 
not with just what he's deducing, but actually the facts in order to make it so that we can't work out who did the murder until the very end. Well, that's, I mean, that's very cleverly written, isn't it? Well, we've got to be where he is as, you know, going along with Poirot. So we have to be in his eyes. We can't yeah, be, true. Seem to be more can't be all knowing. Yeah, no, it's true. Yeah. Like we, we have to, we have to be making the same guesses that he would. Yeah. Which is why they've used a character narr- narrator. Yeah, because yeah. otherwise you just go, everyone did this, but it makes it more interesting. You just kind of, it's definitely your better own, not to be you're you're probably going to the same flippant guesses about people that you think may or may not have done it, like we did at the start, like when we tried to mm. come up with a guess for who did it. We're just going yeah. off our character, what we think their motives might be. You know, yeah. I think so. the only difference between us and Hastings, the narrator, is that he seems to make his assumptions based on how much he likes the person rather than any yeah. of the evidence that's pointing towards them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm true. thinking now, going back to the, the very famous bit of green thread in the in the keyhole, mm-hmm. if you remember, I'm thinking, has that got something to do with Alfred Inglethorpe's weird clothes? I, I was making that connection in Ooh, my head. Oh, yeah. Like, he, he, got, dresses, he, he might wear like, like a funky old... He might wear dresses! He <laughs> <laughs> just like, just comes in. Uh, <laughs> Emily! <laughs> Uh, was it Drag Wednesdays? Yes. <laughs> he's playing bridge. That'd he's dressed up in drag and dragging his wooden leg. Arnar. Yeah. <laughs> Does look better in a heel. City <laughs> <laughs> that one. Oh, so dear. I did. <laughs> well, if you've worked out who the murderer is, do keep it to Don't yourself. Tell Don't, Don't tell, tell us. us. But if you've got any thoughts or opinions on this chapter, you can message us on thelazybookclub at gmail.com. Or if you want to write in anger by bursting your show open like Hercule Poirot, you can do that on Twitter. <laughs> and the handle is at LazyBookClubPod. <laughs> yeah, but if I'm honest, it probably looks better on Instagram. You could do it as a boomerang at yes. LazyBookClubPod there too. <laughs> that would be an amazing boomerang. <laughs> <laughs> We're also on TikTok now as well. Every now and then I'll post some videos of what you guys normally would see if you were a... Ta-da! Patreon subscriber. So for the low fee of $3 a month, you get to see the visual of these podcasts, not just hear the audio. So that is also patreon.com forward slash lazy book club pod. TikTok, we are at lazy book club pod as well. Same as the Instagram and the Twitter. Otherwise, we will see you next week for chapter six. Josh, do you want to just give us the title to the next chapter? I can do that. Absolutely. Chapter six is entitled the inquest oh okay so we are bumping up this investigation now yeah so join us next week for the inquest chapter six we'll see you then bye bye bye